Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jesse Mayer, your host of The Salty Pastor with Dr. Douglas Peak, a podcast designed to help you develop a biblical framework in which to understand what is happening in your world today. Let's welcome Dr. Douglas Peak. Hello, everyone. Pastor Doug here. So today we're actually starting a new series called Essential. I'm really interested in this series because I read something that really shocked me. During the lockdowns for the pandemic, one out of every four people my age have considered ending their lives. Mm. That's 25%. I couldn't believe this. It, it seems to me like the, that's the real <laughs> epidemic that's going on right now. Yes. So many of these people are being told that they're not essential and then believing that their lives are just meaningless simply because the world systems around them shut down for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really tragic. Uh, uh, but from my perspective, it's not unexpected. Though it's tremendously sad, because what we're seeing is the result of a secular worldview that has been propagated upon all of the people in our society for the last 40 years. It's predominantly uh, propagated through our media, um, it's uh, in our public educational system, our universities are fully invested in it and what it does is it convinces people to put their trust in the material systems around them of an affluent country and what people are discovering is that these systems are not as dependable as they thought they are insufficient these systems don't really care about them as individuals Uh, these systems cannot bring true meaning and purpose to your life Mm. so they're lost spiritually and when someone says oh you're not essential then they feel that they aren't essential. If you've been trying to find your self-worth and your hope and all this stuff in society, and then society suddenly says, well, you're not essential. It all fades away. It all fades away. And it's just devastating at us at a deep soul level. And what that means is that these people, which breaks my heart, they don't have a core, a spiritual wellspring of life from which they can find strength, which they can draw courage and confidence from meaning and purpose. Therefore, that's what this series is going to be about. It's about where does this core come from that drives your life that's completely beyond all of the material things around you. It's kind of expounding on that idea that you've had for a little while, which Mm -hmm. is fluff is not enough anymore. Fluff is not enough. Um, So what is the main idea? Like, what should we really be looking at? Well, you know, during this pandemic and a lot of these people, you know, are uh, kind of making a joke out of it now. And I'm like, hey, what do you do? Well, I'm not essential. So I'm out of a job, you know, or I'm I'm essential. I work, you know, 120 hours a week. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any balance between the two. It's either you're, you're not <laughs> yeah. working at all or you're yeah. working more than you ever have in your life. Yeah, and in some ways, you know, scared to death about the work that you're having to do, especially if you're on the front line in a hospital or something like that. The main idea is simply this. What you believe about yourself is one of the most important things about yourself. I know that sounds a little weird, but I just want that to really settle on people, and that is what you believe about who you are, about why you exist, is one of the most important things about you. It influences everything in your life. So work on what you believe about yourself in your soul of souls, the deepest part of you, because that's where you're going to find the answers you seek to life. Well, how are we going to do this? I mean, like, how do you work on the substance of 
what we believe about ourselves. Well, we're going to study the book of Ephesians. Sounds good. <laughs> why Why the book of Ephesians? Out of all the books in the Bible, what, why this one? Well, I led you a little bit on that one. I'll tell you why. is because, first and foremost, the, the Bible is about your soul, right? And so that's really especially the focus of the New Testament and what Christ talked about over and over and over again, about the healing of your soul. And the New Testament is really interesting uh, part of the Bible. It's 27 books. And these books are broken down into uh, this library of books is categorized differently. There's, there's four uh, gospels or biographies on the life of Jesus. Those are the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then there's a book of history. And the book of history records from when Jesus rose from the dead and then what happened for about the next 30 years. And then after that, there are 21 letters, sometimes called epistles. And if you read the book of Acts, which is the history one, the history one, then you understand all these letters who they're addressed to, because in the book of Acts, these churches were started by various missionaries, Paul being one of the most prominent of them all. And he wrote a lot of those 21 letters, not all, but a lot. And then the, the last book of the New Testament is the book of Revelation, which is a book of prophecy about future events. Uh, These four categories, Gospels, History, Letters, and Prophecy, were written by nine separate authors. And if you're starting out just to faith, I always tell people, read the book of Luke and read the book of Acts first, because that gives you a framework to understand basically everything else that's kind of happening in the Bible. And the main theme of this particular book is really unique out of those of Ephesians out of the 21 letters that were written by a couple of different authors. Uh, Paul wrote a a bulk of them and most of Paul's letters were written to correct an error in thinking or an error in practice. It's like, yeah, you guys aren't quite getting this right. This is how you're supposed to do it. However, the church in Ephesus was uh, being persecuted, but the church was really strong. And so Paul wrote them a letter to encourage them. And what's really fascinating to me is for the first time, it seems like Paul's mind is able to kind of step back and share with us God's ultimate plan throughout all of human history, who God is and who you are as a human being in the eyes of God. And so chapter one begins with the dignity of all human beings based on God's plan for them as human beings. So he really gets into the option of he's a lot of the letters are, you know, like you said, rebuking or or trying to correct an issue. And this is the one time he can finally go, okay, you guys are actually doing good right now. Let me give you a broader scope Mm -hmm. of what your purpose in life is and what God wants for you. Yeah, exactly. Which is casting vision, kind of being able to finally share that, which I'm sure was very awesome for him because he was so used to writing these letters going hey you need to work on this stop yeah, doing stop that do that doing... do more of that quit arguing quit yes. fighting yeah and this one he's just like you guys are awesome yeah. let's talk big yeah. picture stuff and and it's great because they were suffering uh they're being persecuted by uh, people out in the world that that didn't believe in christ and by sharing god's ultimate plan and what he's doing that gave them a tremendous amount of hope because they could see they had a framework to look at what was going on through a totally different perspective. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's dig into this book and see how it influences what we believe about ourselves. I'll start by reading the first few verses 
Um, Ephesians 1, 3 through 4. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Okay, let's stop there for just a second because I want everyone to notice the phrase, God chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. This means that human beings were created to be in a relationship with God. It's all about presence. To be in God's sight is to be in his presence. It's about relational proximity. And the only way to be brought into relational proximity with God, to be restored into God's presence, is if we are holy and blameless. If we're not holy and blameless, then we're in big trouble. Uh, For instance, uh, Moses asked uh, God in the Old Testament, he said, God, I'd like to see you. And God said, well, that's really not a good idea because if I let you into my presence, you'll cease to exist. And so he said, you hide in this uh, crack of a rock. I'll put my hand over it. I'll walk by. And after I'm gone, you can see what I leave behind. And so Moses sees uh, what he left behind and they called it the, the train of his glory. And it so lit him up and changed even the way he looked that when everybody looked at him, they had to look away. They couldn't even look at him. It's like at looking Moses. at this at Moses. Yeah. So just imagine if he was in God's presence. Uh, we see in the book of Isaiah when Isaiah had a vision and even though he knew he was having a vision, he was brought into the presence of God. And the first thing out of his mouth was, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips. Not, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Yeah, he was not, whoa, this is so cool. You know, it wasn't Bill and Ted's excellent adventure to (laughs) heaven. It was, oh my goodness, I'm toast. And so an angel takes a burning coal and touches it on his tongue and saying, hey, you're going to be okay. You'll be protected during this period of time. And so uh, God's holiness is so overwhelming. It's so powerful that people don't understand that the only way we can be in his presence and not cease to exist on any plane, spiritual or in the material plane at all, is if we're made holy and blameless in his sight. And so that's what this verse four really says, that God had a plan to do that. He wanted to bring us closer again. Mm -hmm. He didn't want that long distance relationship. No. It doesn't work for him. So let's move on to verses five and six. Um, It says, In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So he's, he's talking about Jesus here, and notice God's motivation is love. He did this because he loves you, he loves me, and the highest motivation of the in the universe is is love. Uh, you know, I was thinking back uh, to some cultural things that I like, and uh, there's a movie out there with Matthew McConaughey in it called Interstellar, and the critics loved it. And so, which means most people probably didn't understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did get a lot of it. And you know, it starts off; it has a real emotional center to it. It's just really cool, and you know, human beings are going to have to get out, and and so they go and explore another galaxy through a wormhole. And uh, what's really fascinating is at the end of the movie, you know, he is caught in a black hole, and and nobody understands it, but he has to somehow get this data that he's gained from being in the black hole back to his daughter. And this thing pops up in the, in the, you know, the blank 
reality called a tesserate. And that's just basically a, a three-dimensional structure. And the robot he's talking to says, well, I have all this data. How are we going to get it to your daughter? Uh, who is the person who really saves the human race. And he says, well, I'll share it to her. And he says, how are you going to find her? And he says, by love. Mm. It's really interesting, this science fiction. It's all about science fiction. It's about human, you know, achievement and endeavors and the struggle and how we But in the end, their greatest appeal is love. Einstein talked about this in a letter that he wrote to his daughter. He says the most powerful force in the universe is love. And he talks about it. Uh, it's a real thing in his mind um i talk about how in love is really one of the primary ways in which we know that god exists is because our capacity to love it comes from god uh it's one of the proofs of god i remember another movie i was watching uh it was written by a a famous atheist who passed away of cancer by the name of carl sagan and he wrote uh, kind of his uh, magnum opus at the end of his life, this novel called Contact, which was made into a movie with Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. You got a thing for Matthew McConaughey. I don't know what's apparently. up with Matthew, man. He's, he's, on, he's on the right path sometimes, I think. But uh, what happens is in this movie, uh, Jodie Foster, uh, her mother dies very young, and she's raised by her father, loved her father to death. He really encouraged her science. Uh, but then her dad gets cancer and dies. And maybe this is one of the reasons why she once doesn't believe in God. And she's just like, I just believe in hard science. I just believe in facts and provable things. And Matthew McConaughey becomes a love interest for her and they separate. And then the human race is contacted uh, by an alien race and they figure out that they're going to go and, and communicate with them somehow. And what's really interesting is she runs into Jodie Fo- uh, Jody Foster, runs into Matthew McConaughey, and they're having this conversation. And she says, you know, oh, you're into God now and all the spiritual stuff like that. And she basically says, you know, I, I can't imagine a-, a-, a universe where there is a God. And he says, I can't imagine where there isn't one. And she goes, how can you know? How can you be so sure? I need facts. I need proof. I need this. I need that. And he looks at her and he says, did you love your father? And she gets all choked up because he knows how she felt about her father. And she goes, yes, I do very much. And he said to her, prove it. Mm. And she was really taken back. Cause it's like the most powerful thing I feel that has changed my life is my love for my dad, but I can't prove that I loved him. Right. You know? So it, the most powerful force in the universe is love. And it's in love that God enacted a plan for us to be holy and blameless in God's eyes and be adopted into his family. And so notice the proximity statement here is in the Roman Empire, every Gentile who read this understood that you're nothing in the Roman Empire unless the paterfamilias, the head of the family recognized by Rome, recognizes you as part of the family, Mm -hmm. that you are inducted into the family. Even if you are a biological child, even if you're born of the couple, you're not recognized as a citizen until the census comes and the paterfamilias writes your name in the book. Wow. So isn't that interesting? That's a huge emphasis. That's a huge emphasis on being adopted into the family. Uh, If you were a slave and the family wanted to set you free and make you a citizen of Rome, they would adopt you 
into the family. If you were Jewish and you read this, the whole notion of the family and being adopted into it was massive to the Jewish people, the critical aspect of the family unit. And so God's plan was to bring us into proximity with him, adopting to us out of love through Jesus Christ. So let's continue on with verses 7 through 10. Um, Those say, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now, I want you to notice here, first and foremost, it says God lavished his grace upon us. So, you know, God's uh, perspective towards us isn't something we've earned. It's not something that we can pay or buy or, or work our way towards. This is God's grace, and he lavishes it upon us. And what's interesting is if God's goal is to make us into adopt us into his presence by making us holy and blameless now paul is telling us here's the mechanics of how he does it he changes us by redeeming us through the blood of christ this is why if you want to know god you want to be find meaning and purpose in your life you want your soul to be healed and renewed if you want to be made righteous in the eyes of god and be in his presence it can only happen through jesus christ jesus christ said i am the way the truth and the life no one comes unto the father except through me and the reason why jesus said that is because only his blood has the power to make us holy and blameless in the eyes of god or in the sight of god see so nothing else can bring us into the presence of god and stop us from being wiped out except the blood of Christ. So his ultimate purpose in Jesus was to redeem us by cleansing us with his blood. We can't be, we can't earn our way. Nope. We can't buy our way. Nope. We can't believe our way. No, nope. It's only through the Jesus. blood of Jesus. Amen. Well, the last couple of verses I wanted to read for today were 11 through 14. Those say, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Well, here we, here we really see some very important things that speak to the dignity of human beings. And that is first and foremost, God has a plan and that's called his will. And that's how it's going to play out regardless. Everything ultimately is conformed to his will. And one of the things that conforms everything to his will is the predestined plan of God to redeem us. This was predestined, predetermined by God before the foundation of the world was even set. So before creation. And because of that, we who are the first to put our hope in Christ, that is, brings praise and glory to him. It says we were included in Christ when we heard the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation and when we believed we then received the gift of the holy spirit so god's plan is predetermined god's plan is filled with grace 
God's plan is built upon the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when, when we hear it and when we believe, that means we respond and choose him in faith, we are given the Holy Spirit. And this tells us a lot about who we are today as human beings. Number one, you and I are created in the image of God. Every human being is, being, is created in the image of God. However, sin interferes with us being in the presence of God. So sin does something to this kiss of God, this nature of God within us. Now, what's really interesting is this is one of C.S. Lewis's proofs of the existence of God. It's a rational proof, meaning it's a non-religious argument. And he basically says this. His syllogism works this way. He goes, human beings have desires. Point two is every desire has a corresponding answer. So if you're hungry, there's food. If you're tired, there's sleep. If there's love, there's people and relationships. So he goes on at a much deeper level than that to prove his point. Then he says, uh, everything has an answer. So the third point is, is that human beings desire God or a type of God. Therefore, God must exist. And his point is, is how in the world could human beings over the last 7,000 years of recorded history long for something or desire something that there's no corresponding answer to? And so that's his logic. And he says, this is a rational proof that there is a God. And it fits with his journey of faith because what happened is he was an atheist and then he logically came to the notion there is a God and then he believed in, that there was a God for about two, maybe two and a half years before he became a Christian. So he then said, okay, there is a God. And then he started asking, okay, well, what is that God like? Or who is this God? Right. You know, I want to know this God. So in the same way, we are created in the image of God. So we long for the presence of God. And I think this is really important is no matter how hard we try to fill that need or that desire in our life here on earth, it'll never happen. You're always dissatisfied. It's not until you meet God or you're in the presence of God because of the blood of Jesus. Are you able to fully be to realize that to realize that and sense, wow, my life does really matter now. Nothing can uh, affirm me as a human being other than the righteousness of God, which is as an act of grace bestowed upon me. But what's really interesting is since sin interferes with that and God's plan is to redeem us out of sin or to be at peace with God, I have to understand that God's redemptive work in my life is designed to remove the influence of sin. So that's God's plan from the beginning of time to redeem us through the blood of Christ. And he does this in love by lavishing his grace upon us. And lavishing is such an interesting word too, because we don't use that in no. day-to-day speak, but I mean, it's like heaping. It's not like yeah. a, here's a light touch of, right. of grace. It's yeah. like, it's a, not an after dinner. Mint. No, this is like, <laughs> we are loading you up. This is pouring it on, yes. filling you up levels of yes. grace. So yes, it is. Um, well, let's recap some that we've, we've talked about a lot today, um, uh, some really big principles. So let's recap them just as kind of a wrap-up, um, since they're so critical to forming what we've been talking about, which is what we believe about ourselves. Yeah, well, from the very beginning, God has a plan that human beings should exist in his presence. So 
you're designed to be in the presence of God. The most perfect, the most holy, the most omniscient, omnipotent creator of the universe. Uh, The universe is just a whisker compared to the immensity of God. We, We cannot fathom how immense and powerful and holy and perfect and loving God truly is. And yet we're created to be in his presence, to be in his sight. God developed the plan to make this happen, to make it possible. And that's called grace. It's all God's idea. It's all God's plan. It's all God's activity. Now, the very fact that we were created in the image of God is what allows us to choose. You know, faith means, in a way, to choose, to make a decision. And we see this very, very early on. And that is paradise existed when Adam and Eve, where were they? They were in the presence of God and they were unashamed. They were vulnerable. They were naked. And it was incredible. But Eve made a choice to listen to the serpent. Adam made a choice. And then we see over and over again, human free will makes a choice. Sin entered into the world and now death which is the result of sin, has passed to all human beings. So even though we're created in the image of God, we have this taint of sin in our lives that keeps us separated from God because if we were to go into God's presence with this taint, we would cease to exist. So consequently, God separating himself from us, I believe, is an act of his love, right? And so the predetermined plan of the redemption of Jesus Christ, the power of his blood washing us clean, is an act of love, this plan. My faith is a response to what God has done. So ultimately, the image of my being is based on the reality of who God is, what he's done, and his plan to redeem me. This is different than the secular world, because the secular world says there is no God, and there is no plan or purpose to your life. And there is no actual, authentic, genuine love. Human beings are just predeterministic outcomes of a material world. And therefore, you should get what you want. But then suddenly it shuts down and people your age who believe this are lost. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking because the world has lied to them. Therefore, what I want to tell young people is that the biblical worldview of you as a human being is that you are created in God's image and you are loved in general by God. God loves all human beings created. Each life matters to God. Your life matters. And each life, though, must be redeemed in order to be in God's presence, to be at peace with him. That's why Jesus died for all, not just a select few. This does not mean that people will not reject God. It means that people will not reject the truth. It simply means that Jesus died according to God's predetermined plan for all people. And the way that we will be at peace with God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is our choice to accept or reject this truth. So that's what this is about. It's about Your human dignity comes from God, who he is, what he's done, 
in his plan to redeem you and bring you back into his presence by adopting you into his family. Powerful, powerful. Well, we have so much more to dive into this, but that's going to have to wait until Thursday. Oh, yeah. So hopefully you guys will join us for the next episode because we're going to dive even deeper on this. I'm really excited about this series. I think it's going to be super interesting just to uh, dive into what really gives us what uh, I mean, as you say, you know, like, what do we believe about ourselves? Yeah. And, and at its very core. Yeah. And the world's trying to tell us what we should believe about ourselves. And, and the Bible and God are telling us something completely different. And this is what we need to be listening to right now. So um, thank you guys so much for joining us mm-hmm. today. We'll see you on Thursday. Make sure if you're on an Apple device, you uh, uh, leave a five star <laughs> review if you're on an Android uh, go ahead and find us on YouTube. Leave yeah. a like and a comment. Um, yeah, thumbs up. Click thumbs the thumbs up, up button. Yeah, um, All of those help us with the algorithm and help bless other people's lives. So thank you guys so much for joining us, and we will see you on the next episode. Blessings.